Good evening. It is good to be back together. I will mention we have a special visitor with us. It's so good to have uh, Brother Mike Hickson home. And so we are glad he is here. Miss Angie, I see you as well. She stayed up really late making a cake a couple days ago. So I have set out with a goal to keep her awake the entire time. And if I do that, I'll feel very accomplished. But we are glad to have you as well. I see others as well. And each one, we are thankful that you are here to be a part of our services tonight. As we begin tonight, we will be continuing our character study and we will be looking at Moses. Now, I've got some really bad news for you because there is a lot of Moses as you go through the Bible. But I've got some great news because we're not planning to look at just all of it. But tonight, as we look at Moses, there are... Two key places in scripture in the New Testament, which I think of as they give a synopsis of Moses, they give a synopsis of his life, they give a synopsis of what he had done. And as I was trying to figure out what can I say that would be concise and fitting and proper and it would portray what God would have us to understand about Moses, I looked at Acts chapter 7 and I looked at Hebrews chapter 11 as we talk about the man of faith. It just so happens, though, the writer, or I should say the original preacher in Acts chapter 7, preached this sermon, and at the conclusion of his sermon, he was cast out of the city, he was stoned, and he lost his life. So I automatically said to myself, I don't know if that's for me. And because of that, I chose Greg. And we want to thank him for reading Acts chapter 7, verse 17 through uh, 36, as we look at Stephen presenting the lesson of Moses, a servant of the Lord. But that gives us time tonight. I want you to focus in on Hebrews chapter 11. There's not quite as much to read. There's not quite as much about him in Acts chapter 11, but I believe it's all important. And it points to Moses... A man of faith. Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to begin in verse 23. First off, we will notice that Moses was born a Hebrew. He has humble roots. He had a humble beginning. Just another fellow, you might say. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23. By faith... Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's commands. Now recognize here is within this, we really see the parents' faith in action to start with. They said, well, we're not, we're not giving up on our baby boy. They hid him for three months as long as they thought they could and they would be able to get away with it. Now as you talk about Moses, he was born a Hebrew, but it all starts out back in Exodus chapter 6 and verse 20. We see that Moses was born to his parents, Amram and Jochebed. In Exodus chapter 6 and verse 20 it says, Now Amram took for himself Jochebed, his father's sister, as wife. She bore him Aaron and Moses, and the years of the life of Amram were 137. Now, as we recognize here, first off, we've got mom and dad, we've got them figured out. You can go back, you can trace them back through uh, Kohath, 
back to the Levites and then we understand the, the sons of Canaan. So we see, we see some genealogy as we come down through. But we also recognize here in Exodus chapter 6 and verse 20, we recognize his brother. He has a brother, Aaron, who also we recognize. Now in Exodus chapter 2 and verse 4, we see a little more about the family relationship with Moses. If I say Noah at some point, know that I'm talking about Moses and I don't mean it, but the name is automatically in my head and it's very likely it could pop out. All right, Exodus chapter 2. I feel like I already said it. I don't know. Exodus chapter 2, verse 4. Now this is right after Moses was born. He was, he was uh, put in the river. You can go back and you can see the, uh, the ark that he was put in. And it says in verse 4, And his sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him. Now there's a few things that we can understand about the sister. First off, obviously she is older. Why? How long was Moses hidden? He was hidden for three months. It is not possible that, uh, in, it is not possible that she would have been younger. It isn't even possible that she could be a twin because you would not send, stick a three-month-old out to watch... Moses as he carts off to be picked up by Pharaoh's daughter. So he has an older sister. Now, I'm not going to guarantee it. This is very possible or uh, maybe even somewhat likely. It could be that this sister is Miriam. Miriam is referenced in Exodus chapter 15 and verse 20. We have a sister of Moses. Is it possible this could be a different sister? Absolutely. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to bind that on your memory. However, in Exodus chapter 15 and verse 20, we see a little more family history. It says then Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took the timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out with their timbrels and and with dances. And so we see Miriam that is recognized the sister of Aaron who would also be the sister of Moses. Now, is it possible there were other sisters? It is. Is it possible there isn't? And this is the, this is the sister that watched Moses in the river. It is absolutely possible. All right. So when we see all this take place, it comes down to Moses' humble beginnings, but then it all changes in Exodus chapter 2 and verse 10. Exodus chapter 2 and verse 10, it says, Now a river... Sorry. I'll get there in a second. In Exodus chapter 2 and verse 10, it says, And the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. We see mom is still able to nurse the child. The child grows up, and then she is taken back to Pharaoh's daughter who had said, this will be my boy. This boy that the children of Israel have thrown in the river, that have placed in the ark, in the river, she says, he will be my son. It says, so she called his name Moses, saying, because I drew him out of the water. Now things are beginning to change. You know, it doesn't matter where the humble beginnings start, but you recognize 
as far as his memory is going to go, there's a lot of it, is going to take place in the house of Pharaoh. Now there is no doubt that he knew his mother, there's no doubt that he recognized his people and knew his people, but at the same time we see Moses now has the ability, maybe I should say the opportunity to take care, take, partake in all the king's dainties. He gets to enjoy all the special treatment that could be his. The greatest family to be in in all of the kingdom. And Moses said, here I am. All right. As we think about Moses, you think about humble beginnings. I want you to understand that your life is not about your past. But it's about your present. It's not about where you came from. But it's about where you're going. It's not about who your parents are but it's about the person that you choose to be. Moses started out destined for death. He was born in the wrong time and in the wrong place. It wasn't that long ago, Mike, I believe it was last Sunday night, Mike talked about it's amazing how everything fell into place. It's like possibly through God's providence, all this worked out the way it did. Well, when you look at Moses, his beginnings had the deck stacked against him. If he was playing a game, he was destined to lose. The king said, I'm through with these Israelite people. There's no reason that they should live. Any male child that is born, do away with them. And we see from the beginning, you say, Moses won't ever be anything. That boy ain't got a chance. But I want you to recognize that it's not about your past, but live for the present. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 28, it says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female. He says, For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter about your past, but it matters about what you choose to do. In understanding the reality... No matter what, if you have Jesus Christ, you're victorious. If you have Jesus Christ, you will win. Victory is yours. Moses, being born in the wrong place, being born at the wrong time, accidentally being saved, or so you would think, will be the one that is raised to deliver God's people. Now, I have no doubt this was God's plan. This was God's hand in action. You can recognize in Exodus chapter 2 and verse 9 that Moses' mother is actually the lucky recipient. She's the one that is paid to nurse her child. Once again, I say God's hand. 
As you think about your life, you can think about all the sad things that are going on. You can think about all the cards being stacked against you. You can think about all the problems that have gone your way. But I want you to recognize the story of Moses doesn't end there. And don't let yours. All right. Not only was Moses born a Hebrew, but he chose God's people. And if I could beg you in one thing, choose God's people. Exodus chapter 2. In verse 5 it says, Then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, and her maidens walked along the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the, re the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. So the story begins. The daughter says, I want that. Bring that ark to me. You talk about the ark of safety. We see the ark in Genesis chapter 6 through 8. You see the ark in Exodus chapter 2. And as you go through the New Testament, you see the ark, the church that is your salvation. Exodus chapter 2 and verse 10, it says, And the child grew, and she brought him, talking about mom, to Pharaoh's daughter. Why? Because she had the opportunity to take part in the rearing of her child. And he became her son, so she called his name Moses. Because I drew him out of the water. Now he had a choice. Moses knew about where he came from, but he also knew about living on Easy Street. He knew what it was like to have everything going his way. At the snap of the finger, he got anything he wanted. You know, it didn't matter what his desire was, being the relative of Pharaoh. The opportunities were endless. The excitement, the fun abounded. And yet we, we'll see in just a second that Moses chose God's people. Exodus chapter 2 and verse 11 it says, Now it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his... This is his recognition, one of his brethren. Moses recognizes there is something special. Why? Because mom raised him. Mom took place in his childhood in rearing him so that he, right before he turned, was turned over to Pharaoh's daughter, she had already taught him about his heritage. You know, if you look back at Hebrews chapter 11... The record is there of this which took place. By faith Moses, in verse 23, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents, we looked at. They saw he was a beautiful child. They were not afraid of the king's commands. Notice in verse 4, 24. By faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Understand, we talk about our life and we're like, well... I really had to make a big change. I had to give up everything to be a follower of Christ. Chances are that everything that you gave up doesn't compare to the everything that Moses chose to give up when he said, I'm going to take care of God's people. When Moses stood up for the Egyptian, I'm sorry, when Moses stood up to the Egyptian that was beating one of God's people. He had made a decision 
that God's people were important to him. His family was important to him. And so we see that at that, cho- at that choosing, at that time, life is fixing to change in a major way. Exodus chapter 2 and verse 21 Here we have Moses that has already fled. He went to Midian. You can go back to verse 12. We see the killing of the Egyptian. You go down through and we recognize that, just as was read in Acts chapter 7, we recognize that the children of Israel throw it in his face. So what are you going to do, kill me? You get down to verse 21, it says, Then Moses was, to, was content to live with the man. And he gave Sipporah, his daughter, to Moses. He had to flee and he has to make a new life. Because when he lived in Egypt, he had to fear for his life. Now I use the word fear loosely and we'll talk about it in just a little bit. Moses operated with his sights set on God. If you look back at Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 27, it says, By faith he forsook Egypt. Now possibly this is talk of, talking about fleeing Egypt the first time. It could be that he's talking about when he leads them out of the, the land of Egypt as they, they head towards Canaan land. But it says, By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Notice in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 27, that it says, not fearing the wrath of the king. Some have called this a supposed contradiction. As you go back to Exodus chapter 22. Sorry. As you go back to Exodus chapter 2. We see in verse 12 that he kills the Egyptian. You see in verse 13 that the the Hebrews say, well, who was wrong? What are you going to do? Kill me? It says in verse 14, it says, So Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. As you go back to... Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 27, it says he doesn't fear the king. And you might say, according to Exodus chapter 2, you say, well, he was scared of the king, so he had to flee. But in understanding, understand that Moses did what he knew was right when he stood up for the Hebrew people. Not scared currently of the consequences that could come his way. You know, I think of a mama bear. You might just call him a mom. You think of a mom when when it seems that somebody is attacking their family. They're like, oh no, it's about to get serious. They're willing to stand up for their family not considering the consequences. You look at Moses and there in the moment seeing the Hebrew slaves being beaten, he chooses to stand up, not afraid of the king, 
But knowing the unrighteousness, the ungodliness, the evilness of the king, he chooses to leave town. Not because he's afraid of the king, but because he's afraid of the consequences that the king will impart towards him. All right, I believe in no way it is a contradiction. It's possible that he's talking about when Moses came back to deliver his people. Moses was willing to come back to Pharaoh and he says, look... Let my people go, speaking on behalf of the Lord. Let the Hebrews go. The reality is, no matter which route you go, Moses chose God's people. Moses chose to do this because he understood who God was. He had faith in the power that God had. And as you go through the story in Exodus chapter 3 through chapter 12, you will see that ultimately Moses will return to deliver God's people. Now this morning we talked about, we talked about time to get to work. If you will read Exodus chapter 3 through 12, there is somebody there that chose not to get to work. He said, I ain't ready for this. He said, I don't want to do it. Don't call on me. Pick someone else. I can't speak. Why are you looking at me? Isn't there anybody else in all of the land that would be more well prepared? That would be a better speaker? That would be a more well-suited person to take care of your people? Exodus chapter 3. Verses 4 through 10, we see that Moses is called to deliver the people of God. Look at chapter 4 and verse 2. Here Moses is given a sign because he's afraid. Verse 1, Moses answered and said, But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, The, the Lord has not appeared to you. So he's got... A good excuse. Verse 2, the Lord says, what's in your hand? He says, throw down the rod. We recognize God's power. You go down to Exodus chapter 4. Moses says in verse 10, Oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Lord said, who has made man's mouth or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing or the blind? Have not I the Lord? What's God's point? I can take care of you. Exodus chapter 4. We see Moses worried that he's not the right man for the job. In verse 27, after giving all his best Best reasons to not be the one to do it. It says, the Lord said to Moses, go into the wilderness. Sorry. And the Lord said to Aaron, go into the wilderness to meet Moses. So he went and met him on the mountain of God and kissed him. So Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord who had sent him and all the signs which he commanded him. Then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel. You see, God had a plan that Moses would get the task done. You see, 
Aaron will be the speaker. You go back to verse 13, Moses said, send somebody else. I skipped over it. The Lord said to him in verse 13, he said, Oh, my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. He said, don't pick me. Just get somebody else. When we talked this morning about time to work, there ain't nobody else. God picked you. When you chose to become a Christian, God picked you. You said, I want to be a follower of Christ. Put me to work. Let me be the one that evangelizes. Let me be the one that edifies. And let me be the one that does works of benevolence. Moses is our example that God picked me. All right, he did everything he could to evade leading. Put Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 8. Man, what an attitude. What a thought process. What, a, what an idea to live by. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. Isaiah there. says, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Here am I, Lord send me. I'll do it. You need somebody to work? I'll do it. You want somebody to stand up for you, God? I'll do it. You want people to know about the truth of the gospel? I'll do it. You want people to recognize good works? I'll do it. Let the light of Christ be seen in me. Choose to be a leader today. Real quick, i got to put a shout out. Tomorrow night, we are beginning the leadership class. The idea of this leadership class is that of putting stuff into action. And by stuff, I mean activity. I mean actually doing something. Mike and I fear that sometimes we talk too much about it. Do you understand? It's like you came to services tonight and here we are once again talking about what it takes to be a Christian. We're going to practice it. And here's my last deal I'm going to make with you. For the leadership class, we are setting a time limit for 20 minutes in class. You will not be there long. We will not waste your time. It's going to be full of fact, full of reference. And when we finish our class... We're going to put it into action. We're not going to say, all right, everybody go home and do your own thing. We're going to put it into action. I encourage you, if you are able, tomorrow night at 5.30, bring your dish and your spoon and your fork. Actually, there are spoons and forks back there. Bring your whatever it is that you make. I don't know how to make anything, so Mike, uh, I had to ask Anna if she would. If you all wanted cereal, I could bring milk and some cornflakes. But outside of that, it's going to be very limited. So bring your food, bring an appetite, and bring a desire to put God first. And I promise it will be a good time. Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 8, we see choose to be a leader, and that's what we've got to do. We've got to keep God's commands, and that's exactly what Moses did. Go back to Hebrews chapter 11. Man, I don't know what's wrong with that clock. It runs faster than it's supposed to. We ran out of time this morning and we're not even going to make it tonight. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 27. Sorry, we'll go back to verse 25. I skipped over it earlier. So he says, choosing rather, talking about Moses, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to, than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. 
He chose God's people. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasure in Egypt for he looked to the reward. He looked to the reward. Why do you do it? Why do you need to press on? Why do you keep, need to keep going? Because you're looking at the reward. Set your sights on heaven. Notice verse 27. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. And now we see he's going to go back and he's going to lead God's people out of Egypt. Verse 28. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. We see the Passover by design laid out in Exodus chapter 12, 1 through 6. As you go back, you can see that the Passover was continued to be, be observed. It's something that was set forth to be remembered for generations. If you go back to Exodus chapter 12, verse 27 and 28, it says that you shall say it is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians and delivered our households so the people bowed their heads and worshipped. Then the children of Israel went away and did so just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. Look, so they did you want to be counted as a person of faith like Moses was so they did put it into practice we've got to hold true to God's word you know as we talk about that Passover that they remember we have a piece of it as we recognize they're in the house the bread that was taken had to be unleavened bread. Why? Because of the requirements that were laid out in the Passover. Each first day of the week, now we recognize the resurrection. But we see the promise as it comes through time. We need to hold true to God's word. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 13, we see the fear God, keep his commandments. This is man's all. This is the purpose of man. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13, he says, Yea, I think it meet as long as I am in this tabernacle, as I'm in this body, as, as, I'm, as I'm here in the flesh, he said, to stir you up, to put into remembrance. If we're going to keep the God's commandments, we need to remember. We need to study to show yourself approved unto God. We need to give our life to the scriptures because that's where we find God's design for us. All right, finally we're going to close in Hebrews chapter 11 with the crossing of the sea. It's not me. I didn't write the outline. God did. All right. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 29. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to, do so, attempting to do so were drowned. You recognize God's care for his people. You recognize through the crossing of the sea, God had a design. You know, Pharaoh, when he, see, when he sees Moses and the Hebrews or the children of Israel, he sees them going down towards the Red Sea. He said, well, I got them now. There ain't nowhere they can go. He said, they're confused. What's wrong with this people? Why would they do something so crazy? 
Pharaoh says, they're trapped by the geography of the land. Where are they going to go? They got the mountains. They got the seaside. There's no way those people will make it. Look at Exodus chapter 14 and verse 3, and we see the thought process that Pharaoh had. Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are bewildered by the land. The wilderness has closed them in. They aren't going to make it. I got them. (laughs) Why did I let them go? That was crazy. Now I'm going to have to work. Now us Egyptians are going to have to do something. He says, we better go get them back. But once again, God uses this as a sign to his people that shows his providential care. Verse 4, it says, Then I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them. And I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. I'll tell you what. You see the water stand up and you say, Man, that's something special. You go crossing through it and God's people make it to the other side and you don't. You say, I messed up now. God's power is real. God leaves a sign so the children of Israel can recognize that he is the great I am. Exodus chapter 14, verses 11 through 13. Then they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, had you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. And Moses says to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. He said, God has the upper hand. And if you're on God's side, the promise is you will win. The Red Sea was parted. Read down through chapter Uh, read down through verse 22 Israel and the world recognize the power of the Lord and they continue to see it if you study God's word look at verse 31 it says then Israel saw the great works which the Lord had done in Egypt so the people feared the Lord and believed in the Lord and his servant Moses they said you were right to whom shall I go who shall I serve who do I look to you know I believe we have a a Bible Bowl group coming up before too long. And it comes from Joshua. In Joshua chapter 24, in verse 15, what a great leader. He says, if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, And we see what's on every door hanger. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If you learn anything from Moses, I want you to recognize this. Push ahead knowing the Lord has promised you a prize. Don't give up because the world pulls you down. Don't quit because it seems like everything is stacked against you. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 14, Paul writing there says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That's why we work. 
And that's why it's time to get to work. If you haven't given your life to Christ, I tell you it's very simple. Understanding that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Understanding that Jesus laid out a pattern as he came to this earth. And he living the perfect life. We see he was killed. Without ever having done wrong. We see that he was buried in the tomb. We see according to the gospel that he rose again. And the promise is you can too. If you haven't given your life to Christ, it's time to enlist in the Lord's army. Give your life to Christ right now as we stand and sing.